take your Bibles and, and turn with me to the narrative of Scripture that I believe God is going to use today to enlighten our hearts and enlighten our minds. Just stay on your feet for another moment. I have, because I could not narrow it down, I have three titles for today's message. That very rarely happens. I, I just couldn't narrow it down. Two are somewhat creative. One is more profound. The, the very first title for today's message is, is um, Get a Pedicure. The second title is How's Your Feet? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, how's your feet? The third title is probably more profound, less creative, and that is Conflict Resolution. We're starting a mini-series today called Scent. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, Scent. Look at another neighbor and, and ask them the rhetorical question, Did you know that God sent me? I want to elaborate on that thought. Then we'll dive deeper into the narrative here in a few minutes. But over the last several weeks, I've been praying about the next several weeks and the season of life that Epicenter Church finds itself in. And You know, we're approaching the end of a year. And God, how can I preach a word? What is the word that you want me to preach that would call us to a recognize and act upon the responsibility of being a church that leads a community in such a way that we can advance the kingdom with the cause of Christ. How does that happen with all of the upcoming events that are unfolding over the next several weeks, our Ways to Love projects, Operation Compassion, where we're going to take several hundred turkeys and feed several thousand people. Operation um, Bumper Crop, where you're going to bring food, first service against the second service. And let me just say this, the second service has not won this competition yet. So I'm giving you this challenge where we bring in 12 to 15,000 pounds of food so that we feed our community, those who are in need, twice a week throughout the year. All of those things, plus what God is wanting to accomplish in 2018, how can, God, what's the word? What, what's the word that you would give me that would cause us to focus upon the responsibility that you have for us in 2018? How many of you know that God's word is not just inspirational, but it's also instructional? I'm going to need a little help. Holler back. <laughs> how many of you know that God's word is not just something that, that we should hear, but it's something we should do? And so I believe God has given me a word, a word that's for us that will not only challenge us, but will change us. Because how many of you know that God's word shouldn't just tickle our ears, but, but, but it should arrest our hearts. God's word should not just bring our hearts into alignment with him, but God's word should cause us to discover our assignment with him. Lord have mercy. So eventually we'll land in the narrative of, of Acts chapter 28. But what I want to do first is digress and take you to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, just three verses, verses 13 through 16. Here are these verses that Paul writes. He writes a letter to the Roman church about the responsibility of the Roman church. But Acts chapter 28 is a passage of scripture that is written by Luke about Paul. So Romans is written by Paul to the Romans church. Acts chapter 28 is a passage of scripture that is written by Luke about Paul. Romans is written years before Luke writes Acts chapter 28. In Acts chapter 28, this 
event unfolds in the life of the Apostle Paul, where Paul has always wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel. Paul finds himself in Rome in Acts chapter 28, but not on the platform in which he thought that he would be on. He's always wanted to preach in Rome so that thousands of people would be converted for the cause of Christ, thinking that probably he's going to be preaching on the Colosseum steps, but Paul is not preaching on the Colosseum steps. Instead, he finds himself on the platform of imprisonment. And the beauty of this passage of Scripture just shows us that God can take the messiest of situations and expose the beauty of the gospel, the grace of God. So here's Paul in Acts chapter 28 having the platform of imprisonment, preaching the gospel, not really thinking that he would ever preach the gospel in this format in Rome, thinking that he would preach it in another format. And then in Romans chapter 10, he writes this letter years before Acts chapter 28, writing it to Rome about their responsibility to act upon their faith. It's a very prophetic passage of scripture. You'll see that in a few minutes. But, but it's also the foundation of this series so let me read to you a few verses, Acts or Romans chapter 10, beginning, if you will, in verse 13. Verse 13 says this, it says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everybody call upon Jesus. Everybody shout, Jesus! for they shall be saved. Everybody say saved. Verse 14, he says this, how then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Everybody say they. There is a they that is in your life waiting on you to fulfill the assignment that God has given you. Hello. Then look at verse 15. It says, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Somebody say sent. What? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Then he says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all of the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? It's the latter part of verse 15 that's so exciting to me. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who know that they are sent. Paul is essentially saying, get a pedicure. And all of the ladies in the house said, amen. And some of the men. (laughs) Isn't it awesome to sit in that massage chair and somebody massage your feet? I don't know nothing about it. I just heard about it. I'm just saying. Somebody say amen. Be seated. But Paul is telling us two things. Paul is telling us that that those who share the salvation message have beautiful feet. But he's also telling us that if we have surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then we have partnered with God in the process called salvation. That if God has worked his word into our lives, we have the responsibility of working his word into someone else's life. We have an assignment. We are sent. Somebody say sent. The problem with that passage of scripture is that so many times we 
we get caught up in the narrative. Rather than looking at how beautiful are, are the feet of those who bring good news, we look at the word that says preach to Leah, preach. We get caught up in that. Okay, but that must mean that Paul is talking to, when he writes this passage of Scripture, the person who stands on the stage and preaches a message. We're thinking that Paul must be talking about dude or dudette who stands on the stage and says, open up your Bibles and turn with me. But there's so much more depth to this passage of Scripture. In fact, what I want to do is read to you this passage of Scripture in the message translation because what Eugene Peterson does in the message translation is he shifts the responsibility of the narrative to one that would be only for those who are standing on a stage to everyone who would actually read that passage of Scripture. It becomes a grassroots effort. And here's what he writes. He says this in verse 14. He says, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they, everybody say they, how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Oh, Lord, have mercy. What Paul is saying here in this translation is he's saying that if you have called upon the name of the Lord, you are the one who has been chosen to be sent to the place that you are at. <laughs> mm, hold on a second. He's, there, there's so much depth here. If we've called upon the name of the Lord and he is our savior, then we have a responsibility to see everything around us as an assignment. In other words, your job, you've been sent to that job. <laughs> your marriage, you've been sent to that marriage. Your kids, you've been sent to those, those kids. That school that you go to, that's a place that you've been sent. That neighborhood that you live in, that's the place that you've been sent. The problem is, in our faith, we've become very selective. There are certain things in the Bible that we pick out, and we want to live by those things because they seem to be comfortable. And there are other things in the Bible that we want to exclude or at least say that's someone else's responsibility. So, so we get caught up in the word preach when Paul says preach and we think that has to be for the person who's on the stage who says turn in your Bibles with me. But what you need to understand is that Paul is saying if you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you are the one that he's choosing to be sent because the word has been sent to you. It's been worked into your life. Now God wants to take the word and work it through your life. So you have to understand the context in which he's writing in Romans chapter 10. Because in Romans chapter 10, what he's doing is he's writing to the church at Rome, the Christians at Rome who have become apathetic in their faith. They've become very apathetic in their faith in such a way that they've given in to religious traditions and they think, well, that must be someone else's responsibility to advance the kingdom, to advance the gospel, to preach that word. That has to be someone else's responsibility. And so they don't understand their role in the kingdom of God. And what Paul is saying is you don't have beautiful feet because you had a pedicure. You have beautiful feet because you're willing to take the message that he gave to you. And you know that you have to complete the assignment because you have been sent. And so often, because we don't understand a thing, we don't see our place in that thing. And because we don't see our place in that thing, we ignore that thing. But what Paul is saying to us is that Jesus came to break down the traditions, the religious traditions, so that man would understand that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you have a responsibility to pick up the mantle. And now you are sent with the name of the Lord to accomplish the goals of the kingdom. 
So I have to wonder how many times in our lives we've not preached the message because we think we've relegated the message being preached to someone on stage. I have to wonder how many times in our lives that we've not preached the message because the message that, or the, the thought of being sent seems so unrealistic in our lives that it can't be possible that I've been sent to a place, that this cannot be an assignment. So because you don't understand your role in the kingdom, you just go to a job from nine to five because you feel like you have to rather than taking the light of the gospel to that job that God sent you to. So we look at our relationships because we don't understand our role in the kingdom as something that should give us emotional stimuli. But at the moment that your relationships begin to drain you, you bail on those relationships because you don't understand your assignment to be God's grace in that relationship. Hello. So when we begin to understand that we have been sent and that we have an assignment, we'll begin to look at everything in our life from a different perspective. You see, my job as a preacher is to teach you how to preach the gospel in the place that you've been sent. Because there are places in your life that you will go that I will never see. And I get it. Some of you are saying, well, I, I'm not a preacher. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not a preacher. Some of you are saying, I'm not a preacher. I, you, you can do that, but I'm not a preacher, and I get that. But the truth is, maybe you have not experienced the real thing because the moment that you experience the real grace of God and you see the grace of God incarnate and you see the church advancing the kingdom of Christ, you cannot help but to be a part because you are sent. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm sent. Somebody look at your other neighbor and say, I'm going. <laughs> Somebody else say, how's your feet? <laughs> and sometimes, to be honest with you, it's the circumstances that are around us that keep us, grab this, it's the circumstances around us that keep us from seeing the assignment that is within us. And that's where Acts chapter 28 goes. Acts chapter 28, here is Luke who writes this narrative of Scripture about the life of Paul because Paul has this incredible event, this, this conflict in his life. And here is Paul's opportunity, years after he writes Romans chapter 10, to live out Romans chapter 10. Years later, he, he's living out Romans chapter 10 in, in Acts chapter 28. So it's so prophetic. This is his opportunity to be beautiful feet. So what I want to do with the next little bit of time that we have left, it's a little different. But I want to give to you a few thoughts that I see in this narrative that I believe you can use to discover your assignment. But also to be able to accomplish the assignment of being sent. You see, when Acts chapter 28 opens up, Paul, he's in Rome. He's always wanted to go to Rome. He's always wanted to preach in Rome. He's always had the dream of preaching in Rome. There was a prophetic word that he would go to Rome, and now the word has come true. He is preaching in Rome, but he's standing, if you will, on a little platform. He has shackles around his feet. There's an armed guard to his left. People have gathered around it's an incredible place of conflict. 
How do you preach how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news when your feet are in shackles and you need to preach the message of Christ, but yet the difficulty around you is so overwhelming? I want to share with you three things. Three things that I see in the narrative that I believe will help us when it comes to being sent. The first thing that you need to understand about being sent is conflict. Everybody say conflict. You need to understand that when you are sent, conflict will arise. But the key is to discover how to view conflict in the right way. I need you to write this down because if you're a note taker, you've got a special place in heaven. Write this down. And that is we must view our conflict as a place of construction. Grab that. We must view our conflict as a place of construction. Let me read to you something. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 17. It says, three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders, and when they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans, and they examined me and wanted, me, wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. Verse 19, the Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. That's why I'm here today. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with these chains. Verse 21, they replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Verse 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even large numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, ex explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Hold on a second. It says in verse 23, the very first word, it says they, they arranged <laughs> They came around him in large numbers. Do you remember over in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, Paul said, how will they ever hear unless someone is sent? Here is a they. Here is Paul preaching a word in Rome, always wanting to go to Rome to preach the word, always thinking that he would probably be on the Colosseum steps with thousands of people gathered around him, listening to the message of Christ. He never realized that he would be preaching a message in chains with an armed guard beside of him hmm. from morning until night talking about Jesus. And we have trouble sitting still in an hour and 20-minute service. Can I get a hello? From morning until night, here he is preaching a message in Rome, always wanting to go to Rome to preach the message, but preaching a message and not in the way or the platform that he ever thought that he would preach the message in. Now, let me give you some historical context behind that. Paul has pretty much been in prison for about three to four months. Three or four months prior to this event, Paul was arrested. He wanted to plead his case. So he is sent to Rome. Hmm. 
notice something in that passage of Scripture in verse 23. Paul does not plead his case. Paul pleads the case of Jesus. But what happens in the journey between the time he was arrested and the time that he's standing before Caesar in Rome is they put him on a ship bound for Rome, but they ran into this horrific storm, this catastrophic storm, 276 people on board. All 276 people, with the exception of Paul, thought that they were going to die. They were trying to figure out, how are we going to survive? And Paul stands up and he says, not one will perish because the Lord will not abandon us. The ship is wrecked here. It's Paul the prisoner. It is wrecked on the shore of Malta. They stay in Malta for approximately three to four months, a month, awaiting the winter to vacate and also awaiting the trial of Paul. Now, here is something that I noticed about Paul's life, especially this story, that I think is a side note worthy of mentioning. What I love about Paul's life is that even though he was caught up in the storm, he never lost hope. Even though he was caught up in the storm, he never had doubt that God was in control. And I don't know who this is for. This is prophetic for someone. You need to understand this. Sometimes God does not shield us from the storm, but rather he allows us to go through the storm so that those who are in the storm with us will know what hope looks like from the inside. Sometimes God does not shield us from the storm so that those who are with us in the storm will understand what a peace that surpasses all understanding looks like from the inside out. What I'm trying to say to you is that sometimes God will allow you to go through the storm because the storm and how you handle it is the greatest message that your life can ever preach. Good Lord, have mercy. I feel like preaching. You see, if you understand your assignment and you know that you have been sent, you're able to proclaim even while you are sick that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. If you know you have an assignment and you've been sent, even though someone has treated you unfairly, you're able to preach. Even though the earth gives way, even though the seas roar, I know that God is with me. He is for me. He'll lift my head up above my enemy. If you know that you've been sent on an assignment, you're able to preach. Even though you have lack in your life, you're able to preach with confidence that he is my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He's enabling me to walk into the green pastures in order to restore my soul. Lord have mercy. I'm going to. You know, they could not figure out how to make Paul succumb to the pressure. They couldn't figure out what made Paul tick. I mean, here is Paul standing before them with an armed guard preaching the gospel from morning until night, not pleading his case, but preaching the gospel. They're like, what makes this man tick? I understand that we don't live in the same day and age that Paul lived in, and we don't face the same circumstances, but people should be saying the same thing about you. They should be able to say about you, what is it that causes this person to live with such generosity? What is it that causes this person, to, even though they're in the midst of difficulty, even though they're in the midst of a hellacious experience, they're still able to live with such hope? How in the midst of pain do you display such hope? 
How in the world, in all of that difficulty, are you able to forgive? You see, Paul is 2,997 miles away from where the Holy Spirit descended upon the church in the upper room. He is 2,997 miles away from where the Holy Spirit descended upon the church in the upper room, standing on a platform, chained with a guard beside of him, preaching the gospel. Why? Even though he's been shipwrecked, even though he's been beaten, he understands he's on an assignment from God, that he's been sent. The point that I am trying to make is this. You may be a doctor. But God did not give you that platform just so that you can provide for your family. He gave you that platform so that you'll understand you have an assignment, that you've been sent. God may have made you a teacher. He gave you a platform. A soldier, he gave you a platform. A father, he gave you a platform. A mother, he gave you a platform. A student, he gave you a platform. And just maybe he didn't give you that platform in hopes that you would earn good grades or earn a paycheck. But rather you would take the message of Christ to a world that is in desperate need because the gospel is beautiful and you have been sent. Some of you are saying right now, but Pastor Mark, you don't understand. You, my enemies, man, they beat me up all the time. Just beat me up. You don't, you, you don't get it. Let me give you this encouraging word. In the Old Testament, just before Joshua takes the people into the promised land, God says to Joshua, he says, you're going to drive out all of your enemies. Everyone who inhabits the land, you're going to drive them out, but it's not going to happen in one day. Because if it happened in one day, you would not know what to do with the gift that I just gave you. The point that I'm trying to make is sometimes God will use an enemy in your life to begin to build some, 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 some things in your life, a construction zone in your life. Sometimes God will give you conflict from an enemy. He's using the enemy to build something up in you. Sometimes God will use an enemy to build up humility in you so that you'll realize that he can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. In fact, I wrote this down. Let me share this with you. It says, now remember, Paul is in front of all of this, this huge crowd of people. He never thought that he would be in Rome this way. He always believed he would be in Rome, but not this way. But watch, watch what it says. Here's what I wrote. God will use conflict and an enemy to prepare you for an audience or a purpose that you would otherwise not have. Grab that. God will use conflict or an enemy to prepare you for an audience or a purpose that you would otherwise not have. Think about this. The Bible says that large crowds gathered around Paul. He's in prison. And God is so cool because he sent Paul there and Paul is fulfilling the assignment that God draws all the people to Paul so that Paul can give the message of Christ. You know what is amazing to me about verse 23? Dan, what's amazing to me about verse 23 is this thought. Here is the enemy trying to figure out every opportunity to extinguish Paul. And while the enemy is trying to figure out every opportunity to extinguish Paul, Paul is looking for every opportunity to save the enemy. Why? Because he sees every place of conflict in his life, every place uh, as an assignment, everything that he, every place that he finds himself is an assignment from the Lord because he knows that he has been sent and God is constructing something for the kingdom of God. You see, so often in life, we equate comfort with God and conflict with the enemy. But sometimes the enemy uses comfort in your life 
so that you will become so comfortable that you'll think you don't need God. And so God will use conflict in your life so that you'll hit your knees and be able to stand up under the pressure so that you can have and experience the grace that God has for you. What I'm trying to say is sometimes you have to have that insecurity. Sometimes you have to have that battle. Sometimes you have to have that difficulty. Sometimes you have to have that giant. Why? Because God is trying to complete the work that he began in you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You know what's awesome about this passage is that Paul never dreamed that he would go to Rome the way that he's going to Rome. But Richie, Paul wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. Almost two-thirds of it. And most of what he wrote came while he was in prison. Had he not been in prison, you see, God was constructing something even in the midst of the conflict because the Bible, the New Testament, Paul was writing two-thirds of it. Most of it while he was in prison. So I had this thought. You see, we're always wanting the pastor to preach comfort. Bring me comfort. Give me a message of comfort. I want some comfort. But I think sometimes we need to stop living for comfort and open our eyes to the comforter who empowers us during the conflict. Mm, can I get an amen? Can I get an oh me? Did you grab that? Sometimes we need to stop living for comfort and open our eyes to the comforter who will empower us in the conflict. Can I teach for a minute? Is it okay? I'm going to anyway. Something that you would not necessarily know just by reading the text, but once you know the history and the life of Paul, there is something that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He boasts about the conflict in his life. He says that, you know, I've been shipwrecked three times, I've been on the run, I've been starving, I've been cold, I've, I, I've been whipped with a cat of nine tails, I, I, I've, I've had bandits who have tried to take my life, I've had this problem, that problem, rejected by people, I've had all of these issues, I've been beaten with rods three times. Let me explain that torturous event. In the ancient world, when a person was beaten with rods, that person was tied up. Their upper torso was tied up, almost like they were in a straitjacket, so that they could not move. Then their ankles were bound together, tied together, and they were placed on their backs. They would take their ankles or their feet and pull them into the air, leaving their torsos on the ground. And then a guard would walk in with a metal rod, and he would whack away at the bottom of the person's feet. Whack after whack after whack after whack until the person's feet are broken, bloodied, and in most cases, maimed. And in most cases, many people could not even walk after this event. And we know in Paul's life that this happened to him three times. And he is able to write how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. He's able to write how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, and that's what he's had to endure three times, that kind of conflict. But what Paul understood was that the enemy knows what your assignment is, and the enemy wants to do everything he can to stop that assignment. 
The enemy wants to stop that assignment, but Paul would not throw in the towel. Why? Because Paul could later on write this. He said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in you, and he will quicken your mortal bodies. But yet we have trouble even coming to church on a consistent basis. We have trouble writing out that tithe check to God. We have trouble inviting someone to church. We have trouble completing that assignment on the job. It's getting all quiet up in Gulf House. I have this thought, you know, one day when we get to heaven and and when we get there and we walk in and we're seeing everything and Paul runs up to us and says, hey, 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 tell me, tell me, tell me. You know, I was shipwrecked three times. I was beaten with rods three times. I was, I was, you know, beaten within an inch of my life several times. And I had this and I had that. I was on the run. I was doing, I was just spreading the word all around. The, the, I was imprisoned. I was all this. What did you do? Tell me, what did you do? What piece of conflict did you battle through so that you could advance the gospel for the kingdom? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, you see, what had happened was uh, I sat down in in the church. It was cushioned seats. I'm telling you, the cushions on them seats were something. I'm telling you. And there was AC, and it felt good. I didn't even have to fan myself. (laughs) And I never had a bandit chasing me to church, but, but, but sometimes I was late to church, and I had a police officer chasing me one time. to show you something verse 24 it says this it says there's two more C's I want to give them to you I'm going to give them to you simultaneously some were convinced by what he said and others would not believe first is conflict viewing conflict as a place of construction now convinced we need to live convinced and confident convinced that we are a child of God, of God. If you've called upon the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. We need to be convinced that we are children of God, and we need to live confidently that he is always with us. But some of these people did not believe. You see, some of you are convinced, but you're not living confidently. Some of you are not convinced, and you cannot find what it is that you're looking for. Therefore, confidence is eluding you. Some of you are convinced, but you're not living confidently, and therefore the problems of life are overwhelming you. The conflict overwhelms you. The financial worries overwhelm you. Your husband being deployed overwhelms you. That occupational hazard, it overwhelms you. But let me show you something. Verses 25 and following says, They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see their eyes with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. What he's saying to the people is you see it, but you don't believe it. And the reason why you don't believe it is because it's not packaged in the way that you would prefer. Oh Lord, have mercy. Here is Paul standing up preaching the gospel and he's not on the Colosseum steps looking all regal. Instead, he's probably hunched over. His feet have been beaten up. But how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And he's got chains around his ankles. And he's giving a message of the gospel. But yet it's not packaged pretty enough for them. It doesn't look comfortable. Instead, it looks like a place of conflict. 
Are you with me? Is everybody with me? Watch this. Verse 28, it says, Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent. Everybody say sent. Sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. In other words, the message of Christ has been worked into their hearts, and now they understand that they've been sent, and they're going to work the message of Christ into someone else's heart. Then verse 30 and following becomes somewhat intriguing. It says, For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Now, you need to understand something. Paul was not in the house just kind of watching TV and kicking back. Paul was in his own rented house because as a Roman citizen, he had that luxury. So he had to pay for that house, but he was always in chains in that house and had an armed guard who lived with him. So he's living in this house that he's paying for, not at Roman taxpayers' dollars, but he has a business. He's a tent maker. He's a leather worker. So he's having to do this work in order to be able to stay in this house. But while he's in this house, he is writing letters that become part of the New Testament. Here's what it says. It says, and he welcomed all who came to his house. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Hold on a second. This is a cliffhanger here. Luke is writing about Paul's life, but he does not tell us about what happens to Paul in this passage of Scripture. So turn with me to chapter 29. Just turn over to chapter 29. Oh, hold on a second. There's not a chapter 29. He goes straight into the book of Romans. Hold on, he's he's left us hanging here. It says that he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Hold on a second. He doesn't tell us what happens to Paul. Can I tell you why he doesn't tell us what happens to Paul? Because this is not a story about Paul and his dreams. This is a story about God and his gospel and his spirit. The moral of the story, as far as Paul is concerned, it doesn't matter what place of conflict that he finds himself in because he's going to be convinced and confident that God is going to build and construct something that he cannot construct for himself because he realizes that he's been sent. You see, you need to understand something. Do you look at the conflict as if it is a place of construction? Do you look at the place of pain as if God is going to resurrect something called his promise? Do you look at the chains in your life and see that God is about to bring change? Do you look at the storm in your life and see it as an opportunity for you to reveal the glory of God because you complete the assignment that God has for you because God has sent you and if he sent you he's empowered you he's enabled you he's delivered you he's developed you you are sent you are sent to that job you are sent as a mom you are sent as a dad you are sent in that relationship you are sent in that career you are sent to bring hope you were sent to bring help you were sent to bring love you were sent to bring forgiveness it's Somebody going to help me get up on your feet because you've been sent. You've been sent. You've been sent. You have an assignment from God. You've been sent. Stay on your feet. If you're not on your feet, get on your feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How will they know unless someone is sent? With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would say to me, Pastor Mark, I've heard this word today. 
And if I were honest, I, I would say I, in ways I, I'm not like Paul, but I'm experiencing something similar to Paul. I just feel like there's chains on my life. I feel like there's an area that I just need breakthrough in. And, and all I see is the conflict. I, I've never been able to see it as a place of construction. And I need God to help me with this place of conflict because it's overwhelming me. It's keeping me up at night. It's, it, it's, it has me burdened. It, it's causing me to miss what God has for me. And this place is so overwhelming. This, this place in my relationships, this place in my spirit, this place in my emotions, whatever that place may be. And, and you feel like the chains are, are around your ankles. You feel like you've been shipwrecked. You feel like you've, you're taking a beating from your enemies. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this building. Hands are going up everywhere if you can put your hands down if you would say to me Pastor Mark from this moment on though I want to I want to see the, the place of conflict as a place of construction and I want to live convinced and confident that God is building something in me for the purpose of the kingdom so I want to begin to live like Paul and with such a passion with such a boldness and even though I see those difficulties around me I'm not focused on them but rather I'm focused on what God is going to do through them because I see how God will resolve the conflict when I reach the assignment that he has for me and if you want to be sent you want to live that sent lifestyle you want to be sent as as a parent as a as a soldier as an employee as an employer and you want to live that way I want you just to raise your hand high all over this building hands are going up everywhere last but not least if you would say today I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I want a brand new start I want forgiveness for my sins I want a second chance if that's you I'm the only one looking around let me see your hand lift your hand high I see those hands I see 